Those are some pretty good promises, aren't they? You guys, I, uh, like I've already said, I did enjoy uh, my two-week Sabbath. I hope you did too. Uh, I missed you, but I also uh, I, I enjoyed sleeping in until 10.30 last Sunday, so there's that too. Uh, but Thursday, uh, we, we were back to work this last week, and Thursday I went live uh, on Facebook to have a chat with a few of you. And we talked about how sometimes we like to escape kind of our present selves, escape the moment by reveling in nostalgia uh, of the past, or by dreaming about a future where we win the lottery. I, I do that as far it's not healthy how much I dream about winning the lottery, and I don't really play, so I, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of a real pipe dream. But um, sometimes we miss the moment, right, because we're, we're looking back or looking forward. We, we don't live in the moment, and, and we do that with our faith sometimes, too. And the truth was that Jesus is, and he, and, and he, and he was, and he is to come. Uh, he created the universe. He, he walked the earth and paid a great price at the cross for each one of us. And he is to come one day when he will uh, wipe away every tear and there will be no more pain. And we can focus sometimes so much on what Jesus did, right? These, uh, the history of the stories of Jesus. Or we can look forward so much to, to, to the coming bliss of eternity and we can miss him in the moment. Yes, he was, and yes, he is to come, but right now he is. He is moving and working. He is saving and he is loving. He is healing and he is giving hope. He is right now. And for the next four weeks, we're going to look back at these stories from the life of Jesus, where he was healer, where he was peacemaker, where he was joy bringer, and where he was provider. And hopefully discover that he was those things, and that he still is those things. In the last two weeks of vacation, we spent some time talking about our Next vacation, uh, next year my family is going to try to go somewhere warm, uh, probably an all-inclusive somewhere, and I'm excited about the spa, Adrian's excited about the beach, we like different things, it works for us. It's actually a very important part of marriage. Um, but our last uh, hot vacation was to Mexico, it was a few years ago, and uh, we convinced my five-year-old son Justice uh, that he would hate Mexico that the food was spicy, that he wouldn't enjoy it, that he'd rather stay with grandma for a week than go to Mexico. I also told him that Mexico had lots of snow. I didn't ever say I was a good parent. I'm just a parent. Um, and so we convinced him that he didn't want to go, so just me and Adrian could go. And uh, like an idiot, when I got to Mexico, I was missing him, and I, so I FaceTimed him from the beach. And the very first thing my five-year-old son said was, Dad, there's no snow in Mexico. <laughs> uh, I felt really, really bad. Um, but next year, he's finally going to get his chance to go. And, and that same trip, I, I did another dumb thing. Uh, it was this amazing resort. Like, we, we really went all out this one time. And, and all week, we sat at the swim-up bar, and we ate at the beach hut every single day. And the food was great. And then on our second last day, I was kind of walking around in some of the places I hadn't been at the resort, and we dis I discovered this 
buffet in the main building that I hadn't seen all week, and it was huge, and it was amazing, and they had lobster and crab and tableside guacamole and, it, and like, desserts, you know, with little garnishes on them, and it, it was a, this amazing filet mignon wrapped in bacon for lunch. All week, I had spent eating burgers and fries down on the beach when all along there was this amazing buffet that I had no idea about. And this happens to us sometimes with our faith as well. You see, sometimes we're content just staying where we are in our faith, where we feel comfortable, where we recognize everything, where we feel like we know everything. But God's love for us is infinite and uncontainable, and his grace stretches out as vast and as long as the universe. Yet we sit at the beach eating burgers and fries when he wants to give us so much more. I don't know about you, but I know I want more of what God has to offer. And today we get to talk about healing. And healing is often a part of that buffet that we never get around to enjoy. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four people who documented the life of Jesus. Matthew, he was a close friend of Jesus. He was an eyewitness to much of his life. Mark, whose name is actually John Mark, but it would be too confusing to have two Johns, right? Matthew, Mark, John, John, so they call him Mark. And uh, John Mark, he was a close friend of the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul. Uh, Luke was a physician who thoroughly investigated the life of Jesus, interviewing eyewitnesses and firsthand accounts. And John was probably Jesus' closest friend. And at the end of his account of the life of his friend Jesus, John wrote this. He said, Jesus also did many other things. And if they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. That John, he had a way with words. And so Matthew, John Mark, Luke, and John, they sat down to write this story of Jesus because they believed they had witnessed something that would change the world forever. And between these four guys, they documented 35 specific and unique miracles that Jesus performed. Like John said, if they wrote it all down, you know, there wouldn't be enough books in the whole world. But these four guys, they documented 35 specific and unique miracles that Jesus performed. And of those 35 miracles, 28 of those miracles were for physical or mental healing. Jesus was a healer. It was an integral part of his ministry. And the way he did it, the way he healed, it almost never, ever looked the same. One time he reached his hands out and put his hands on a leper. And it's hard for us to understand how unspeakable an act that would have been in the time of Jesus. When you were a leper, you had to carry a bell and yell unclean when anybody was around you, right? You did not touch lepers. And Jesus reached out and he put his hands on a leper and the man was instantly healed. And another time, there was a blind man that everyone in the town knew. And he had asked Jesus for some loose change. He was begging. He couldn't work. And Jesus, instead, Jesus bent down. He didn't put his hands on him this time. He bent down. He spit in the mud or in the dirt. And he turned his spit and dirt into mud. And he rubbed it on the beggar's eyes. And as he washed this mud out of his eyes, 
his, slight, his sight slowly returned. And then one time there was a Roman centurion who is, would literally have been the enemy of Jesus. The enemy of Jesus and his people. And he came to Jesus asking him to heal his servant who was far away at his home, far off. And Jesus didn't even need to go to his home. He didn't need to touch him or see him. In that moment that the centurion asked him, Jesus healed his servant. Sometimes Jesus laid his hands on. Sometimes he healed someone who wasn't even there. And sometimes he made healing spit mud. Right? It was never the same. And it was really impossible for us to read these stories, the, the, the historical documents that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John gave us, and not see that Jesus was a healer. That on almost every page of these stories, he was healing. And let me tell you, let me address the elephant in the room. If you are skeptical of these stories, I do not blame you. They seem fantastical, right? I mean, I, the truth is, I spent 12 years in the back of an ambulance. I know what a life altering injury or accident looks like. I know what it, what it means to, I know what the science says about our body and about sickness and about injury. I, I believe the science. I believe it. And yet, Jesus was a healer. I believe he healed. I believe that John and Matthew witnessed him do these miraculous things, and they saw it with their own eyes. And today, as we go through this conversation, I want us to ask ourselves a question. If we believe that Jesus was a healer, do we believe he still is? Do we believe that he is still reaching his hands out towards his creation with healing in his hands? Now, Fort City is part of a global movement called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. In Canada, we just call it the Alliance. For short, it's a lot less of a mouthful. And our history starts at the beginning, or sorry, at the end of the 19th century. And for over 100 years, we've been defined by something called the fourfold gospel. It's pictured in our denomination's logo right up there that you can see. Um, we don't use it very often, that logo, just because it's a little insider-ish. Right? It's not very self-explanatory. It's a little bit confusing. But the truth is, it is a really incredible uh, and powerful symbol. It's a visual aid that helps us to understand the whole buffet of what Jesus wants to offer us. And you see the cross there. Well, let's pick it apart. So there's a cross right in the center. That's a symbol of Jesus and his love for us, that he gave his life at the cross, that we could be made right in front of him, that we, our sins could be forgiven, and we could know our creator. And then there's the laver. Does anybody know what a laver is? Somebody said it. Yeah, I didn't know what a laver was. I had to look it up. Laver is that thing over on the right. It looks like a wine cup. It's actually a bowl that they used to use in the temple to wash ceremonially wash their hands. It's, it's, it's a symbol of what it means to continually become more and more like Jesus throughout your life. You're continually becoming cleaner. You're continually being sanctified and made more and more like Jesus. And then there's a crown. You can see right at the bottom. That is a symbol of Christ, our coming king, that he, uh, his story is not over. The story is not done being written, that in fact there is a time coming when the good king will reign and suffering will end. And then 
over on the left is a pitcher. And that is the symbol of Christ, our healer. From him flows healing and restoration, not just for our souls, but our minds and our bodies as well. This picture, this symbol, Christ our Savior, Christ our healer, Christ our sanctifier, and Christ our coming King. I don't think a logo should need that much explanation, but it does. You can see why we don't use it that much. Jesus isn't just our Savior. And he isn't just sanctifying us and making us more like himself. And he isn't just a future hope. He is also our healer. He wants wholeness for you. He wants healing for you. It's what he did, and it is still what he does. Luke tells an interesting story of a time when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Now, in the story, they call him Simon. It's Simon Peter. It's, it says Simon, but it's Peter, Apostle Peter, that some of us know about. So let me read it for you from Luke. Luke tells us, After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home, where he found Simon's mother-in-law, very sick, with a high fever. And he said, Please heal her. Everyone begged, Please heal her. And standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. Now, there are a couple things that I find interesting in this story. First, guys, it is okay to pray for your mother-in-law. You probably should do that every once in a while, even if you don't want to. And second, uh, it says as soon as she was healed that she got up and made a meal for them. And it makes me wonder if just none of them knew how to cook. And so they're like, Jesus, can you do something about this? We need someone to, to, to help us out here. They were going to go hungry. It's a terrible joke. I'm sorry. After Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, the town was buzzing, right? Something miraculous and cool and crazy like that. Of course, the town was buzzing. And Luke continues telling the story. He says, as the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. And no matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. Can you, can you imagine? I mean, I struggle to imagine this. this. This is crazy, right? This is intense. I've never seen anything like this in my life. And as the next day Jesus was preparing to leave this town for the next town, they, they didn't want Jesus to leave, right? The town wanted him to stay. We would not want Jesus to leave if he was doing these sorts of things in our midst. But Jesus was on a mission, and he told them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. It seems to me that the good news of Jesus, this kingdom of God, is where lepers are healed, where the blind see, where the broken are made whole. The good news of the kingdom of God isn't just for one person, one time, one town, one people group. It is the good news for the whole of the world. The good news of Christ our healer is the good news of the whole world. And I believe that when Jesus healed this pe these people, it was a deliberate act of compassion designed to relieve human suffering. He loved them. And their suffering, it moved him. 
And sin didn't just separate us from our Creator. If, if you've heard this story before, the sin didn't just separate us from God. It scarred us. It marred us. It made us susceptible to injury and disease and suffering. And these healings, these stories of God reaching into people's lives and healing them shows that God just doesn't want to forgive our sins, but he wants to restore our bodies and our minds and our souls. 700 years before Jesus was even born, the prophet Isaiah, he sat down at his desk, and with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit flowing through his veins, he wrote these words that just echo in my heart this morning. He said this, talking about the coming Messiah, talking about Jesus. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be made whole, and he was whipped so that we could be healed. At the cross, Jesus paid the price for our sins. He was bruised and beaten and spit upon so that you and I could be made whole. And he was whipped and hurt and marred so you and I could experience healing. And so I come back to the question I asked just a minute ago. If we believe Jesus was a healer, do we believe that he is a healer Still, if we believe that he is Savior, Creator, Sustainer, Sanctifier, Friend, and every good thing, do we also believe that he is still healer? Let me tell you a story. I was in grade 8. Our church was hosting a youth conference. Uh, all the churches, youth groups were coming to this church for a youth conference. And Mike, our youth pastor at the time, he wanted to train up a few of the students to pray for people at the conference. And so kind of like we have our prayer team after the service where they pray for people, Mike wanted to teach students to do that. Um, and so we gathered, uh, me and my friend Graham, we volunteered. We didn't really know what we were getting into, but we volunteered to be part of this prayer team for the conference. And I think it was a Saturday afternoon when we came to church and we gathered in the Kid City room upstairs. Some of you have seen. And Mike did a bit of teaching on prayer. And then he asked, well, it's time to practice. Does anybody here want prayer? And you know, you know how teenagers are, right? It was awkward. Nobody wanted to be the first one to step out. And there was this kind of few moments of silence. And then my friend Graham raised his hand into the air. In the last couple months, Graham had been diagnosed with carpal tunnel in his wrist. Uh, a constant pain that made everyday tasks that he was used to doing, everyday tasks were made painful, like brushing his teeth, driving his car, it would shoot a, a shooting pain would go through his wrist. And maybe worst of all, Graham was a very good drummer, and he played on the worship team here at Fort City, and he had to quit. It was just too painful. He couldn't do it anymore. And he had been scheduled for a surgical consultation. And his hand and wrist had shrunken so badly that it looked almost deformed because he hadn't been using it, right? The muscle started to disappear in his wrist and his hand. And you could physically see that there was something wrong with him. This is the hand that day that Graham raised up into the air to ask for prayer. And that day... Upstairs in this back room in Kid City where with students who are wearing too much X body spray and face full of pimples, 
we prayed for Graham's hand to be healed. We asked Jesus to do the things that only he can do. And that day, he did. Jesus healed Graham that day. And here we are 21 years later, and Graham is still smashing the drums on our worship team. He is still healing. He never stopped. As we close this morning, I want to invite the worship team, if you guys would come back up here and join me uh, to close the service. And I'm not going to pretend, you guys, I'm not going to pretend like uh, I totally understand this topic of healing. I'm not going to pretend like I totally understand the way that God works. I know that sometimes we pray for God to heal, and he does. But I won't ignore the fact that oftentimes we pray for healing, and God doesn't. Men and women smarter than me are trying to figure out the answer to that. But the truth is, I don't know. But because I don't know, doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray for healing. There is a story that Luke records in Acts chapter 3. It's a story of a man whose legs never worked from birth. And so he had spent his whole life begging for money. He was a fixture at the temple in Jerusalem. He was a fixture at a gate called Beautiful. And so it was a gate that went into the, the temple. Uh, he was a fixture there. People knew who he was. That is where he begged. And Jesus would have walked by this guy to get into the temple plenty of times. Jesus went, would often go to the temple. And never once do we read in the Gospels that Jesus bent over, that Jesus bent over to heal this poor lame man. Jesus walked by him a whole bunch and never healed him. After his resurrection, he left his ministry to his closest friends, to his followers. And Jesus had left the building. And in Acts chapter 3, Luke documents when, when there's no Jesus in sight, he is gone. He's, there's no Jesus in sight. And Peter and John, they walk by this guy at the gate called Beautiful. And he's there, lame, can't get up. He's been there all his life. And he's begging for change. And something comes over Peter and John. And they look, Peter looks at him and he says, Gold and silver, I have none. I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. I don't know why Jesus didn't do it himself when he had the chance. Now, I don't know why he healed Peter's mother-in-law, but not this guy at the gate. And I'm not going to pretend to know. Sometimes he heals, and sometimes he, we have to wait. And for many of us, we, we won't experience the wholeness of the healing he's offering until we see him face to face. And he wipes away the last tears while they were crying. I believe he is a healer, and I believe that he is still healing. And I believe this morning it would be good for us to pray for healing. In a moment, I'm going to pray for us. And I know in this room and people watching online, uh, there are people who need to experience the healing touch of Jesus today. We have so many needs, you guys. There, there's cancer and there's diabetes, there's depression and anxiety, there's asthma and knees and shoulders and backs. 
And we're going to pray for those. And it is a bit scary to pray for healing. Knowing that sometimes he makes us wait. But I know that he is in the healing. and He is there with us in the waiting. And so I'm going to invite him to do what only he can do this morning for us. This morning, if you would like prayer for healing, whatever it is that you need, I am going to invite you to stand if you can. I'd like to pray for you, remind you that God loves you. I know it hurts and it is a struggle, but he loves you and he wants to heal you. So today, if you want healing for anything, for uh, emotional needs, for physical needs, I'm going to invite you just to, to stand in the room right now. We're going to pray for you. Thank you, guys. I know it takes a bit of courage. And so if, you, if, if you're nervous and you don't want to stand, I'm still, I'll still pray for you. Okay. But I'm glad that, for you guys who have stood this morning. And today, if you want us to pray for someone you know who needs healing, we can do that too. Just like Jesus, they don't need to be here for them to be healed. You're here. And you can stand in their place. So if you want prayer for someone you know that needs healing, I'm going to invite you to stand now as well. For the rest of us, wherever we are in the room, wherever we're praying, I want to invite you, when we start praying, to hold a hand out towards one of these people in the room. Not because we're trying to zap them with the Holy Spirit, right? Not because it's some super spiritual thing that we do. But if you hold your hand out, it can be an incredible reminder for that person. They are not alone. That somebody loves them. That somebody cares for them. That they are not alone in the waiting. So that they know they're part of a community and that they're not in this by themselves. So... I'm going to pray that God will move, that he would do the things that only he can do. And for those of us in the room, if you could just reach your hand out towards somebody close to you who's standing, let's take a moment to pray for them. Jesus, I thank you for each person here this morning. And we acknowledge how, just how deeply you love and care for each one of us. And we thank you that you died at the cross so that we could be made right before you, that our sins could be washed away. But Jesus, you are not just our Savior. You are our healer too. And you made a way for us to experience wholeness at the cross. Isaiah, he prophesied, you were whipped so that we could be healed. By his stripes, we are healed. And so this morning, Jesus, I pray for each person who is looking for a healing touch from you this morning, whether they're here in this room, standing on somebody's behalf or watching us online, Jesus, I ask you to heal. And we know that you do it differently almost every time and, and there's no rhyme or reason, no method, but where there is hurting, we ask for you to replace it with healing. And heal our minds, anxiety and depression. Heal, heal our bodies of hurt and brokenness. Heal long-standing diseases like diabetes and cancer. And Jesus, we ask that you be with us in this moment, that you, your healing hand would move across this room and for all people who are looking for it this morning. 
And I pray that you will remind us that you are in the healing and you are in the waiting as well. Jesus, we love you and we thank you that you love us too. Pray this in your holy name. Amen.